Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. How many of you would like to know what the will of the Lord is? Praise God. I used to preach a lot of sermons on how to know the will of God. And then I hit a point in my life where it was difficult for me to find it, and I just quit preaching on that. So if you know how to do that all the time, I need you to take me to lunch today and explain that to me, if you will. He said, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to speak for just a a little while uh, today from the subject, Why Receive the Holy Spirit? Why should you be interested in receiving the Holy Spirit, and why should you lead everybody that uh, falls under the jurisdiction of your ministry throughout your lifetime to receive the Holy Spirit. Why is this so important? Most people who call themselves Christian believe in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit at least to some limited degree. Now, to what degree we believe in that has made for a lot of interesting discussions and some heated religious debates along the way. There are those that would like for us to believe that we are some kind of a little fringe group off to the side who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that we're somehow out of the mainstream and we're off over here as a little fringe group. But I can tell you that there are over 500 million Pentecostal slash charismatic believers alive in the world right now. Uh, we are not seeing in, Amer- in the American church people baptized in the Holy Spirit like we should or like we used to. But I can tell you that around the world the Spirit is being poured out. In fact, Africa is having a decade of Pentecost. And I was talking to the guy that is in charge of that the other day. And, and they are, they, their goal is to get 10 million New believers baptized in the Spirit in this decade alone. And he told me that they are on course to do far better than that, to go beyond their goal. There are some countries in the world where up to 25% of the population of those nations are actually tongue-talking believers. And in fact, I've been thinking about moving there. Amen. But uh, there, there are places in this world where the where the Holy Spirit is being poured out in, in a marvelous and unprecedented fashion. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall become a witness unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. I think a good reason to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit is is the power behind the implementation of God's purpose on the earth. I drove up on this parking lot this morning. I rode up. I didn't drive up. I rode up on this parking lot this morning with, with uh, Pastor David, and, and I saw all of these points of light buses out here. And I, I, it, just, it just 
warms my heart. But I can tell you that you can have all the buses in the world and all the workers in the world. But unless the Holy Spirit touches the hearts of those who ride in on those buses, you won't do anything lasting in this world. You can spend a lot of money. You can do a lot of ministry. And people will leave completely unchanged. I can tell you this. When you come into the presence of the Holy Spirit like we have here this morning, and this is the real deal right here. But when you come into the presence of the Spirit like we have this morning, that you will leave changed. You will leave either closer to God or your heart will be harder against God. But you will definitely leave changed. You cannot stay the same in the presence of God. Some people have the mistaken belief that if God's presence shows up, that the devil will flee. Well, that's just not quite right because the devil is attracted to the presence of God. In fact, the devil goes to church more regular than I do. And I went to church more faithfully nine months before I was born than most people go in an entire lifetime. I've been in church my whole life. It's kind of like the, like the $100 bill and the $1 bill talking one day. And, and the $1 bill said to the $100 bill, where, you, where have you been? He said, I've been to the greatest casinos in the world. I've been on some of the biggest cruise ships. I've been to some of the most exotic places on the earth. I've been here and there. And the $100 bill said, well, where have you been, $1 bill? And he said, church, 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 church. And, and, and if you want to know where I've been, I can tell you where I've been. Church, 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 church. I think I preached 23 times in the month of January. I've been to church, church, I, I, but I never get tired of it. When I, when I woke up early this morning, I woke, I, I'm an early riser anyway, and I'm still on Houston time, which is two hours earlier than it is here. And, and so I was up really early this morning. And when I woke up, I woke up about an excitement about being right here in this room today. You know why? It's because I have been touched by the Spirit of God. And that Spirit draws me into His presence. And every time I come in, He changes me just a little bit. Amen? And I understand as the pastor of a church that it is impossible to affect change in the lives of people apart from the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. You can counsel people until you're blue in the face and until they're bored as, as they can be. And, and you're not going to change them, but when the Holy Ghost shows up, somebody better help me out in this Presbyterian church right now. When the Holy Ghost shows up, everything is about to change. Everything is subject to change. Praise God. You know one of the things I like about going to a Pentecostal church? You don't ever know what time anything is going to happen. Amen. You can't set your clock by, by a spirit-filled church because we just don't run according to that time. But, but I tell you this, the Bible says in Acts 1-8 that you shall receive power when? After the Holy Ghost. Not before and not until, but after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And once that happens, you will become a witness unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So in order to fully understand why we should receive the Holy Spirit, I want to just try to answer some questions that I've been asked multiple times over the years. First of all, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit for all believers? Some folks say, well, you know, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but, but, but I think maybe it's for preachers and prophets and apostles and those kind of people. 
but maybe not for everybody. Well, Acts 2, 38 through 40, Peter said to them, Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Listen to this. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise, now underline this in your Bible. If you don't believe in underlining your Bible, trade with somebody who does and underline theirs. He said for, he said, he says here, for this promise is, listen, to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, a lot of people take this to be a geographical statement. This is not a geographical statement. It is a generational statement. And so those who believe that this gift went out with the apostolic age have got it wrong. Because Peter said that this gift will be to you, those people who were in the apostolic age, and to your children. And so I submit to you, if it can go beyond one generation, beyond the apostolic age, why can't it go 20 generations or 30 or 50 generations? It's to you and then to your children and to all who are afar off. Remember, this is not a geographical statement. It is not being, being told from Oakland, California, and said to all those who are afar off, like in Houston, Texas, it's a generational statement. And to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, as long as He's calling people, all right, you don't have to help me, I'm going to preach it anyway. As long as He's calling people, this gift will be in effect and it will be available to those people that He calls. So, so I believe that this gift is available to all believers and that all believers can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've been asked this question, does a believer receive the Holy Spirit at conversion? And I would just take you to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, where, where Paul is at Ephesus, and, and, and he finds, the Bible said, some disciples. So they are already believers when he gets there. And when he gets there, in verse 2, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You get that? You following that? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? And they listen to what they said. We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. And he began to preach to them Jesus, and he baptized them. And the Bible says that, that uh, he laid his hands on them, and, they, and, the, and the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And, and, so, and so I submit to you that, that, uh, that, that a believer does not receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit at conversion. It's a second definite work of grace subsequent to the work of salvation. Somebody asked me, they said, do, do you believe that a person has to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? I wouldn't want to go to the post office without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you kidding me? If, you, if you're planning on leaving here for heaven before you walk out those doors, you may not need to be filled. But... If you're planning to go to lunch with one of your friends, you may need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're planning to go home to your husband or your wife, you may need to be. Somebody help me out in here now. Hello. And so, and so I just want to tell you that, that, uh, that this is, a, this is a, an experience that is separate from, it is separate from, uh, the, 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 it is separate from the experience of salvation. 
Somebody asked me if the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is better than salvation. I said, no, but it will make your salvation better. All right. I'm waiting for you to respond. See, this goes a lot quicker if you know what, when to respond. It'll make, your, it'll make your salvation better. And I just, I just want to tell you that, that just because you have accepted Christ doesn't mean that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've been asked uh, to receive the Holy Spirit. Is it necessary to speak in tongues? I would just say that I, I don't have to speak in tongues. I get to speak in tongues. But when the, when the Holy Spirit comes in, in, in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe that you will speak in tongues. In fact, let me just say it very plainly. I believe that everybody from the book of Acts, chapter 2, in the upper room until, what is the date today? Uh, January the, I've lost track of my days. What? January the 30th, 2014, that every single person that's ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit spoke in tongues immediately for that period of time and will in the future. But let me give you some scripture. I just want to very quickly walk you through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. I don't have to read that to you. You already know what it says, that the Holy Ghost came in the upper room and the, and the Spirit of God settled in on them and the wind blew into that upper room, and the Bible says that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That word utterance means the words to say. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to say. All 120 did, in fact, speak in tongues. The next time we see somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. And the Bible says that that uh, the, the, the men of God that were at Jerusalem heard that the Holy Ghost was poured out on people in Samaria and that they had received the Word of God. And when they f- found that out, they sent Peter and John to Samaria to find out what's going on here, to find out how is it that this, this gift is being poured out on Gentiles. Hello? Let me, let, me just, let me just help you out that, that, that racism is not new to the modern-day church. And it is not new to the 19th or the 20th or the 21st century. It was alive and well in the, in the, in the New Testament church. The first conflict we see in the New Testament church, I believe, was about racism. Because the Hellenistic Jews, I pastored the, that church, the Hellenistic Jews... We're complaining against the Grecian Jews and vice versa that they were not receiving fair treatment. And, uh, and so that was the first conflict in the, in the modern day, ch- in, the, in the New Testament church. And, and of course they resolved that conflict. I, uh, I, I tell you that I believe racism is a sin. All right. In fact, I have pastored, I have pastored a multi-ethnic church to the point that I don't even like white people anymore bunch of honkies <laughs> when i first went to the, when i first went to the church that i pastored we 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 were totally totally a white church our slogan was help we're white and we can't get down amen and and uh and i tell you that i, be, I believe that heaven is going to look like this audience today somebody better help me out in this room i said i believe I believe, listen, if you think we're all going to be white in heaven, you're wrong. If you think we're all going to be black in heaven, you're wrong. If you think we're all going to be brown in heaven, you're wrong. If you think we're all going to be purple with pink polka dots, you're wrong. Hello. After we receive our glorified body in the book of Revelation, we are recognized by our nationality, by our dialect. 
Hello? I don't know if folks that are racist are going to heaven. That's not up to me. But I hope if you're, if you're white and you don't like blacks, that God puts you in a black neighborhood in heaven. I hope your mansion is right in a... Hello? I think God's got a sense of humor. I think, I, I tell you, if, if He does that, I'm coming to visit you every day. And I'm going to bring my Starbucks and sit a half a day at a time and just smile kind of loud. I don't know how I got off on that. The Bible, the Bible says that they, when they heard that the Holy Ghost was poured out in Samaria, they sent, they sent Peter and John down there. And the Scripture says that when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Now, in this instance, it does not say that they spoke in tongues, but there was some kind of an outward manifestation that they knew exactly what had happened. Because Simon said, I want to, I want to pay to have this gift. See, he's going broke because he was a sorcerer. He's been affected by the gospel. And <laughs> he needs a new business venture to, to get into, to make himself a living. And I believe that what Simon saw was the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. I believe that was his reference point. And he said, look here, this is being done in Samaria. I want to pay somebody. I want to get this gift of laying on of hands that people will receive this Holy Spirit. And of course they pretty they chastised him pretty good for his comments there. But I submit to you that, that Simon saw the same thing that happened on the streets of Jerusalem when those believers came out of the upper room. I believe they were speaking in in tongues. And then in Acts 9, the Bible says that Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, is, he, is, he is struck from his beast by a light. He is blinded. He's living on straight street as a blind man. <laughs> Let me just tell you, a little living on straight street never hurt anybody. All right, don't shout me down when I get to preaching good. Just calm down. He was... He was living, he was, he was living on straight street. And God spoke, God spoke to Ananias and said, go pray for him. <laughs> Ananias said, I've heard about this Saul guy. And God, if you want him prayed for, I suggest that you go pray for him. I'm not interested in going down there. This is a bad guy. He's bad to the bone. But God said, go down there and pray for him. And the Bible says that when he laid his hands on Saul, that he received his sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. This, this verse, these verses do not say that he was, that he, that he spoke in tongues. But listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. Paul was a, he was a southerner. He was from Texas, probably lived in Houston, I think, because he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. If he'd have been from California, he would have said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you guys. He said, I thank God I speak in... <laughs> Let me write that down. Did not go over well. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. And so Paul is speaking in tongues in the New Testament. Acts 10, verses 44 through 46. This is the account of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon the house of Cornelius, who was a Gentile. <laughs> And the Bible says that, that when, they, when they came down to the house of Cornelius, that they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So they were speaking in tongues in, in, in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. 
And then in Acts chapter 19, verses, verses 1 through 6, Paul is at Ephesus. And he converses with the believers at Ephesus. And then the Bible says that Paul laid his hands on them. And the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spoke with tongues. And they prophesied. So every time in the book of Acts that somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit, they either spoke in tongues or there was some kind of an outward manifestation that everybody around knew what happened. I can tell you that everybody I know of that's ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit spoke in tongues right then. Hello? I've had people try to tell me, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit, but I've never spoke in tongues. And then later, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues. And they always, can I tell you, they always come back and say, I had a blessing before, but this is different now. Hallelujah. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He becomes your teacher. He becomes your leader. He becomes your guide. He becomes your revelator. The Word of God will come open to you. Things that used to be difficult will no longer be difficult because when the Spirit of truth has come, He will lead you and guide you into all truth. You're going to hurt me. Are you staff or are you student? Good, because you're coming to Houston with me. I don't know. I don't know what they're paying you, but I'll pay you more. <laughs> Somebody asked me, they said, so, so why was tongues chosen as the initial physical evidence of Holy Spirit? Why, why wasn't it that, that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you run out and witness to somebody? Or, or, or you loved your enemies and... You started loving your enemies and people. Why, 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 why not? Why not something else? And let me just tell you, there are many evidences of Holy Spirit baptism. Are you listening to me? If the only Holy Spirit you got just caused you to speak in tongues and you don't have any other evidences, then I submit to you that you haven't gone quite far enough yet. Hello. But I tell you this: that when 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 you get filled with the Spirit, you will speak with other tongues. And I think the reason that God chose tongues is the Bible says that it's the most unruly member of the entire body. Hello. In fact, James was a preacher like me. He just kind of said it like it was. My youth pastor was in a meeting a while back with a bunch of other youth pastors. And of course, you know what happens in those meetings. They all get, get together and complain about their pastor. I know what happens. And they're, they're all complaining about, thank you. They're all complaining about their pastor. You want to take that lid off for me, please? Thank you. They all complain about their pastor. And the biggest complaints was that they didn't know what their pastor expected, that their pastor's always beating around the bush, won't just come right out and say it. And my youth pastor said, hey, listen, if you ever see my, if you ever hear my pastor beating around the bush, he's loosening it up because he's planning on pulling it up by the roots when he gets done. I'm, listen, the Bible said that Jesus plainly said unto them, hello, I'm one of those plain preachers. You don't have to, you don't have to guess about what I'm thinking, but I can tell, I can tell you this, that the tongue, the Bible says James is one those plain spoken preachers and he says that the tongue is a fire a world of iniquity the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body have you ever met somebody and you thought well wow that's a that's a pretty person they're nice looking that's a nice looking person hello don't look at me like that 
You know when they are, and you know when they're not. You, you, you meet some people, and you go, oh. And other people, you go, oh. Hello? You got something messed up in the genetic makeup here. The Bible says that the tongue can defile the whole body. I've met people that I thought, wow, that's a nice-looking person. And they open their mouth and start talking. And in less than a paragraph, I'm going, my God, they went from a 10 to a 2 in less than a paragraph. Don't look around. Don't look around. Just look straight up here at me. Hello. Don't, don't, be, don't be doing that. That's just not nice. I'm trying. <laughs> he says, it, it defiles. I, I hear people talk, and I think, I think, is that the best vocabulary that you have? Are you kidding me? Hello? And, and the Bible says that the tongue sets on fire the course of nature. There's some of you sitting in this room this morning that your parents and, and people in your life have spoken over you, and they have said you're never going to amount to a hill of beans. You're never going to amount to anything in this world. You're never going to be successful. And you're dumb and stupid. And, and you couldn't find your way out of a dark room if there were 40 doors to the thing. You, you've had all kinds of stuff said about you. I tell you in the name of Jesus, I cast down every negative report. Are you listening to me this morning? I cast down every negative report. The tongue sets on fire the course of nature. I know people that their marriages have dissolved because all they do is talk negative about their spouse. Let me tell you, that's my wife sitting right there. She's married, guys. That's my wife sitting right there. She's taken. And, and, and I can tell you that not one time in, in all of these years, 35 years of marriage, have she lost... She, 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 I, she's got to share her testimony with you of how God healed her blindness after we got married and we sold the seeing eye dog and got a lot of money out of it. It's just a joke. <laughs> Fido brought a good price. And, but not one time have I ever referred to her as the old lady, the hag, the whatever you want to say. She is my sweetheart. She is the woman of my dreams. If she's with me, she does not open a door, whether it's on the car or the house or the church or the restaurant. Guys, you need to listen up right here. If you want her to, if you want her to act like a thoroughbred, you gotta quit treating her like a nag. Hello? And when you say my old lady this and my old lady that, when she starts acting like an old lady, you got yourself to blame because the tongue sets on fire the course of nature. You give life to stuff when you speak it out. The Bible says that, that the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when you speak stuff out, you're speaking it into existence. You're giving it a birth. And you're speaking life into it. In the name of Jesus, I speak over my kids that they are special. And that they are good. And that they are successful. And that they are godly. Because I don't want them on my payroll for the rest of their life. All right. I got to, what time is it? Oh, my Lord. He says it sets on fire the course of nature. You don't hear me go out and say bad stuff about my church when I'm preaching somewhere else. You know why? It's because I'm speaking life over the place. 
There's enough death in our city. We don't need to speak death over our church and over our ministry. Hello? Over this school. Over your teachers, professors, your roommates. Where'd all my shouters go? Can I just tell you something as a visionary leader? Can I just tell you something? When you get your funds for your housing, don't go spend that. Put it where it's supposed to be. Pay your bills. If you can't pay your bills at this level, you won't pay them at the next level. And if you don't pay them at the next level, you are going to be unemployed. Because no pastor is going to put up with that, especially not me. If you can't pay your tithe at this level, you forget about paying your tithe when you're making $1,000 a week. Ooh, wish I had time to preach on that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling something there. Let me tell you, I tithe on every dime, every penny that comes through my hand. If somebody walks up and hands me $5, I put it in my pocket, and I go put 50 cents in the offering plate before I ever spend one penny of that $5. I'm not just a tither. I first fruit everything. And I tell you that God has blessed me. Listen to me. There's a difference between stealing and being a thief and being a robber. If you're a thief, if I leave my garage door up, you'll take my bicycle. But if you're a robber, you'll break in in the middle of the night and hold my family at gunpoint to get what you want. And the Bible says that if you're not a tither... That you are robbing God. I didn't mean to preach on that. I'm supposed to be preaching on something else, but glory to God. God knows what we need. Amen. Let's blame it on the Lord. He says the tongue is set on fire by hell. No man can tame the tongue. I think we could say no man or woman can tame the tongue. It is unruly, full of deadly poison. Preacher friend of mine is an evangelist. And when I tell you this story, you'll understand why he's an evangelist and not a pastor. Preaching one night, and he's preaching on the book of James about the tongue. And he said, and he kept saying, you, we, need to, we need to bring our tongue up here, and we need to lay our tongue on the altar. We need to bring our tongue up here, and we need to lay our tongue on the altar. And after, after service, a lady came up to him, and she said, now, now brother, she said, you know that we, we can't come up here and literally lay our tongue on the altar. He said, he said, oh, I know. He said, just put as much as you can on there and just fold the rest of it over. That's why he's an evangelist and not a pastor. Let me close with this. The words of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. You know, some people think that the Holy Spirit is optional equipment for the Christian. I've come to tell you in the world that we live in, the Holy Spirit is not optional equipment for the Christian. We are facing stuff in this culture that we've never faced before. And if, if, if the Bible says, and it does in Acts 1, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you need all the power you can get when you walk out that door. If He's got it, you need it. Amen? Jesus said to His disciples who were bent out of shape because He was saying that He was about to leave them in John 14, Jesus said to the disciples, it is expedient. Come on, all you college students, help me out here. You know what expedient means. It means it is necessary. Necessary. That I go away. Amen? 
I didn't say that. The Assemblies of God didn't say it. The Church of God didn't say it. And certainly the Baptists didn't say it. Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I go not away, the Holy Ghost will not come. But if I go away, my Father will send this other comforter to you. And Jesus also said that these works that I do, shall you do in greater works? How can you do greater works than healing deaf ears and opening blinded eyes and making the lame to walk and, and speaking to the dead and them getting up and, and all the things that he did? And, 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 and how can you do? You can't do anything greater than that. But what he was saying is, I did not do these miracles as, 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 as God's Son. I didn't do these miracles as God, divinity. I did these miracles as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost. Jesus never performed one miracle until He came out of the Jordan River having been anointed by the Holy Spirit. I did a series at my church a couple of years ago about almost every, at Christmas time, almost every person that touched the Christmas story was baptized in the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost. Are you hearing me? And Jesus came out of that river and began to do miracles. And what Jesus was saying is, I'm going back to the Father. It's Listen, you, you're crying and you're complaining, but this is necessary for you. Because if I stay here, He's not coming. But if I leave here, that Holy Ghost is coming to you. And He's going to not only abide with you, but He's going to abide in you. And these works that I do, shall you do. Not just one person doing the works, but every person that is anointed by God, that is saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, can go out of the church onto the street in the marketplace and the workplace and the home place and the holy place and those miracles can flow. I believe God is sending a revival to the church and it's going to be miracles and signs and wonders and I believe you're the generation that will see it come to pass. Get full of the Holy Ghost and allow the Spirit to operate through you, not just in a church service, but at Walmart or anywhere you go. I pray you'll have a revival at In-N-Out Burgers. I was somewhere around Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago preaching. And I had my first experience of an In-N-Out Burger. I hope they never come to Houston. If they, if they do, I'll weigh 1,000 pounds in no time at all. Best burger I ever ate. My God. I almost went over into tongues eating it. I just, it was, it was, I'm just talking about it was some kind of special. Amen. I have wrecked this sermon right here, but I'll, listen, there's a lot of things I can't do, and I know it. I'm not gifted in some areas, but there are some things I know that I'm gifted for, and one of the things I know that I'm gifted for is to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. I have laid my hands on thousands and thousands of people to receive the Holy Spirit, and God has instantly filled them. And what I want to do, I've come, I have come to California today for the express purpose in this, in this spiritual emphasis time to lay my hands on everybody who has not yet experienced this gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And if you will... I 